Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Would you give a big hand to our overseer and friend, Les Beecham. Radiant Church, Kansas City, those online, those in the room, it is such a privilege anytime I think about you, anytime I can be with you. You are an incredible church. Do you realize that? Incredible. You have incredible worship, incredible kids ministry, incredible pastor whose wife is even more incredible. Can we give it up for Pastor David Perkins and Renata? Y'all are tremendous. You know, God will give me impressions that I think are him. It's always challenging because I want to be sure that it's the Lord. But as I drove onto the campus today, I know this is temporary for you all. But as I drove on, the sense that I have, the whisper in my spirit was to tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, I know people get here at six in the morning. I can't believe what they can do because none of this is here. And they set everything up. And my mind went immediately to the tabernacle and the people of God. And if you've ever read about the tabernacle, it was elaborate. And you know what else it was? It was heavy. I mean, heavy, weighty-wise. And those people set it up everywhere they went, stick with me now, for 40 years. Craziness. And yet, they did that in obedience because when they did, you know what happened? The fire of God was there. And the power of God, the covering of God was there. And as you set this place up, and as you come, as those who say, I want to know God, I want to follow his ways, what happens is the fire of God is released in your heart, and the power of God is released in your life. And I believe that. So here's the message to you before the message. This one's for free. It's worth it. It's worth it. So, all that to say, hello, everybody. It's so great to be here. Now, I, I want to start by saying this. I want to teach us at a time in history that I can't remember things being darker, things being more challenging, things being tougher on families, on your minds, on your relationships. It feels like everything is fraying out. And I want to talk about the kind of people that God wants us to be. And that's a people who are led by the light in the midst of darkness. God actually designed you to be light-dependent people. You're dependent on light to live your lives. When the lights go out, if there's no power source and you can't create light, we sleep or we stop. We don't do anything. Planet Earth is dependent upon the light of the sun. We will die without it because of the green plants, a great reason to care for our environment. Without those plants, trees, rainforests, all those things, we will perish. And so we are dependent upon light. One of the ways that you can be convinced of this is, for example, when the power goes out, when you have a tornado warning or a big storm and the power goes out, and it's like, oh. And, and what happens in most houses, if it's at nighttime, is immediately you feel the shock. You think, what happened? And then what we do today is this. Let me see. 
Now we'll wait for it. I'm going to play a game while I'm doing this. And that's what we do today. But I'm just a little bit older, not very much, but I actually remember a day when you didn't carry the computer in your pocket, okay? And that day, here's what happened. When the power went out, you were like, huh, where are the candles? Where are the flashlight? And you felt your way around, and then you finally found them, and you lit the candle, and you looked at each other, and you said, what are we going to do? I hope it's not serious. And then you said, someone said, well, let's play a game. And then someone said, I don't like to play a game. And then they all turned to nothing in that time. And, and it shows you how dependent we are on power and light and the ability. And that's one of the reasons we go immediately to our smart device, because it is light. It shows light into our face, and, and it gives us a focus there. And so in this day that is so dark in so many ways, it seems everywhere you turn, there's fear, there's discouragement, there's division, there's disagreement. God wants you to receive his vision. The way through is by having light. Now, I every year try to go to Colorado to about 10,000 feet, and uh, I take a, a little stick with a string on it and another little stick, and it's called a bow and arrow, and I try to pursue the majestic elk. Those who are praying against me, uh, I, I want to comfort you. It very rarely happens that I make contact, lethal contact, but occasionally I do, and the freezer's full and all that stuff. And uh, now, I want you to know at camp, we, we don't have a generator, and so when it's dark, it's dark, and we are utterly, totally dependent on this. By the way, one of the etiquette is you don't uh, find, shine the light in people's face. I'll, I'll try to not do that anymore. Anyway, so at camp, when it, in the morning, we wake up four o'clock in the morning. We go out into the woods while it's still dark, and we are utterly dependent on this, or we can't see, we'll stumble, we'll fall down, all of that. And then at night, we come back, and it's dark. And we were talking to each other. You would laugh because here we are at camp like this, grown men with our headlamps on all the time continuously. Now, in this dark time, what if I told you at the end of the service, we're going to hand these out. Every one of you is going to get one. There'll be pink ones. There'll be neon yellow ones. Whatever color you like, we'll have it. And when you put it on, actually, it won't just light up the physical room. It'll light up the spirit. And things that you're not quite sure of you'll be more sure of because you have this light. Red's pretty nice too, isn't it? Because you have this light, and that is the light of life that we're gonna talk about. Now, I'm pretty famous for bumping people. I just am. And so I want you to know, something I say is gonna bump you. And one of the reasons it's gonna bump you is because God wants you to move a certain way or because I don't see it completely, and you may see it more than I see it. So I just wanna tell you up front, if I bump you, please don't cancel me. Now, here's my, for real, for real, here's my challenge. The temptation very, very often, when you're sitting at home, it's so easy. It's so, it's so easy to cancel me. Bink, I'm done. And so I just, I challenge you, it's gonna work out at the end, all right? And so I may say things, hopefully it will be provocative enough for you to go, I don't know about that. And then I'll be following what Jesus did because people were really bumped by him all the time. And so I love you so much. I'm warning you up front. I'm encouraging you up front. I'll bump you. Please don't cancel me. Uh, don't bail out. Stick with me. And just as a favor to your pastor, okay? Just as a favor to him. And I assure you at the end, you're gonna be encouraged. All right, now you're like, I gotta watch this. What in the world is he gonna say? God wants us to know in the most dark and foreboding times, he wants us to give a, get a power source that's far beyond what the world has to offer. 
And this is found in the book of, of God's word in chapter eight in the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bible, turn there. If you don't have your Bible, look on the screen or look on your smart device and you can follow along. Let me give you a little bit of the setting. It's very similar to today. There is great fear. There's great terror. The kingdom of Syria and Israel have come against Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah and he is centered in Jerusalem. They've been so effective in their battle against Judah, they want to disintegrate it and separate it out and put someone else in as the king. They have been so effective that most all of the fortified cities, if not all of them, except Jerusalem, was remaining standing. And they were terrified. Ahaz was terrified. He was, he was beside himself. And in the midst of this, the prophet Isaiah hears from God. And he brings good news in a terrifying season in the life of Judah. And he says this, chapter 8, verse 11, and I want to pray. Holy Spirit, you're the author of this book. Would you be the translator of this book to our lives right now? Would you open our minds, would you open our hearts, that we might receive revelation and be encouraged and transform further into the image of Jesus. We need you. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, this is an ancient word, but it's applicable right where you live. You'll be surprised. Notice, verse 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else thinks. All we have to do is stop right there. You are being pursued at every level to think like certain people think. Now, that's not wrong if you're thinking the right thing, but God's word says this. Don't you think like everybody else thinks. No matter what you think about anything in this crazy world, you should have an opinion above the opinion, which is your strongest opinion, because it's rooted in the word of God. So God warns them because everyone was thinking like everybody else. And then he says, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. Anyone calling anything conspiracies today at all? Isn't it amazing how real this is today? And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Everyone is living in dread today. No matter what you believe, people are dreading so many things. Make the Lord of heaven's army. Another translation is the Lord almighty. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. Now, right away, it's like... You know, you lost me there. You're getting to this holy stuff and, and we're gonna unpack holy in just a moment. He's the one you should fear. He's the one you should, should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. Now we could stop right there. In the midst of elections and all the things going on, I wanna declare to you, he's the one who's gonna keep us safe. No matter what happens, He's the one. If, if you belong to him, he's going to keep you safe. He's going to walk you through it. Not only is he going to keep you safe, he's going to use you as a voice to those who feel unsafe. You do realize at the end of the election, uh, half of the people, I don't know, you, don't hold me there, are, are going to be upset and, and half are going to be elated. And in the midst of that, we have to have a safe way through. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They'll be snared and captured. It's like when Nebraska loses, certain people want to really contemplate taking their life because, I mean, if Nebraska loses, I mean, and some stumble and fall really seriously. Preserve the teaching of God, his word. Entrust his instructions 
to those who follow me. So in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of conspiracies, he's saying this, teach the word of God and entrust these instructions. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm fulfilling this passage in your hearing. I'm instructing you from God's word. I'm entrusting this for your consideration. Then he says this, Isaiah stops and says, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my hope in him. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should a people not inquire of their God? Can I tell you who the mediums and spiritists are in our day? They are the opinion polls. Now notice what happens. If the poll is up for a candidate or a situation or a judge or whatever, if the poll is up and you're for it, you feel good. If the poll is down, you feel bad. And polls are like the weather. They're changing all the time, and most of the time, they're not completely accurate. How many of you, your plans have been foiled because you trusted the weather? And the weather, guess what the weather's in? God's hands. And so why do you pursue these things, and why do you allow those things to upset you? He then says, to the law and to the testimony. Get back to solid ground. It says, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. What is the light of dawn? The light of dawn, if you've not been in the military and you haven't been standing watch all night long, the light of dawn is what you long for. It's what you ache for because then everything becomes clear. And the scripture says this, if they do not follow the testimony of God, they have no light. And so they're walking in darkness. The next chapter starts with the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Guess who the great light is? He will be called mighty counselor, prince of peace. And the government will be on his shoulders. So the scripture then moves into that is the source of the light of dawn for the people of God. And the people in Isaiah's day had the same tendency that we have in our day. And it's to lean on theories, beliefs, elaborate descriptions, visions, all of these things. So it results in this. Most people embrace a truth they have pieced together for their advantage and not on revelation from God. And we even get to the place where we deceive ourselves and say, no, this is really God. And I ask, well, show me that in the Bible. And they've not looked at the Bible. I'm gonna tell something that's gonna bump you here. Are you ready? Just, I love you so much. Joshua, as he heads in to take Jericho, has an amazing story, it's worth reading. He comes over a rise and he sees a man with a drawn sword, an imposing figure. And he comes up to him and he asks him this question. Are you for us or for them? Of course we know he's who he's for. He's for Israel. Come on. He's not for Jericho. If he's sent from, come on, it's so obvious. Watch this. Neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Then he says this. Take your shoes off. It's holy here. Now, many scholars believe this, that this was the pre-incarnate Jesus, not an angel. Now, why do they believe that? Anytime in scripture someone bows before an angel, what does the angel say? Get up, get up, get up. Don't you bow to me. This time he says, take your shoes off. And he bows before him. 
Let me tell you something about Jesus that's going to bump you the rest of your life. Jesus doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Now listen, everybody. No matter how old you are, you need to understand this. Jesus is not, he's not fully for either side. Did you know that of anything? You know why? Neither side ever has the complete truth. He comes with the third option, which is the only option, and it's the kingdom of God. Jesus does not come to take sides on any diversive issue, divisive issue today. He comes to take over. When he takes over, you know what emerges? No judgment, love. Now, if you're feeling judgment, if you're feeling criticism, if you've been despired, notice I said that instead of inspired, despired to post against your brother and sister on Facebook because you disagree about something, it's not the Lord's side. You know what I always say? Disagree face-to-face, encourage publicly. If you just do that, your life will change. Disagree face-to-face. Why? Because you can't disagree adequately without seeing my body language. So all of us in every generation, even as things become more impersonal, disagree face-to-face or at least privately. Encourage publicly. And then you know what we convey to the world? What Jesus said is our greatest testimony. He says, make them one so the world will know that I sent you, Jesus. Why? Because the whole world is divided. And because we love each other, even if we disagree, we're not divided. Fight for your unity with those you disagree with in the body of Christ as if your life depended on it because Jesus' reputation does depend on it. When we disagree, here's what people say. You're just like everyone else. There's nothing different about you. There's nothing love-filled about you. And so God wants us from the word of God to become a people of light in the face of endless conflicting worldviews that we face so that we might stand out and that Jesus, we become the center rather than this side or that side. Now, here's not what I'm saying. Don't support this side and don't, don't, don't do that. Do it with love and without judgment. Do it with conversation. Uh, do it with building bridges and not building walls. Do it with opening conversations and not canceling conversations. And then you will be the carriers of the light and you will release light. I was reading E. Stanley Jones recently. He says, whenever you focus on the what, you will find division. Whenever Christians focus on the, the who, you'll find unity. Our temptation today is to focus on the what. What do you think about blank? What do you think about blank rather than who is the center of your love? Who is the center of your focus? And when you do that, you'll find yourself being light, peaceful, and free, and then being a source where people come and share their heart with you in the midst of conspiracy, in the midst of terror, in the midst of all of this. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? Have I bumped everyone a little bit? Just a little bit? Okay, good. Because the word of God is a sword. (laughs) You know what it separates? It said it separates soul and spirit. Now, our spirit is the essence of where we fellowship with God. Our soul is combined with our flesh. And sometimes our flesh covers our spirit and we think we have what's true and the word of God comes and goes, no, that's not, that's not. 
And one of the truths I pray above everything else that you hear today where the word of God has just come is this. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He brings a kingdom that takes over. Yes. Takes over. And then it's expressed on both sides. It's the amazing thing. By people who are infiltrators of the world with the love of God, which is profound. So, how, I mean, how do you do this? How, what are the core beliefs in this passage? We want to be faithful to the word. This passage of a people led by the light. What are the core beliefs? Here's the first one that you have to think about. The world's facts and arguments are never final. They're never final. Now, if you haven't realized this with the pandemic we're living in, one week it's do this, the next week it's do this, and you're like, okay, which one do we, I mean, do we do this? And some, when they do this, they are so settled, they're settled enough to break friendships, to break family relationships, and to leave churches over what's a non-essential. Well, it's essential for, I understand, but... What's essential is Jesus is at the center. And, and so in the midst of this, please realize this. No matter what facts you're hearing this week, they're going to change. They're going to change. I could give you lots of examples, but it may upset you too much. But they're changing right now. It's, it's really, really, really true. And so realize this. He says, don't call conspiracy what it is. It's going to change. But then in the midst of this, here's what God's word says in Psalm 119, verse 89. This is so powerful. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. If you want to stand on a rock that will never move amidst the storms of politics and pandemics and protests, if you want to stand and not be blown away and unified, stand on the foundation that's settled in heaven forever. Here's how Jesus puts it in the New Testament. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In every issue, we want to find a word from God's word that solidly addresses the issue. Not cherry picking, which we tend to do, we cherry pick, but really wrestling with the word. What does it say about these issues? And then that we would put our stand on the word of God and then relate to one another in love and not judgment, in willingness to listen. The scripture says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. We're in a day where it's, it's the opposite. Speak as fast as you can. Don't listen to anybody. And then it says, slow to become angry. That's, that's, that'll stand out on your Facebook page, on your Instagram page. That, that really will stand out. And so God says, I want you to be this way. Let me ask you a question. Does your worldview have as its source facts and beliefs philosophies, theories, or the word of God. Next, what is a core belief? A life lived above fear is focused fully on God. The only life lived above fear is focused fully on God. The facts will change. The situation will change. God will not change. His character remains the same. And so it's focused on him. Make the Lord of heaven's armies Holy in your life. Here's what holy means. It means uncommon. When you go into surgery, the scalpel is holy, totally clean, holy for this surgery one time. That's it. So if you go in for surgery and you, before they put you out, and you see the surgeon looking in the mirror and he's like, I, 
I didn't notice that on my face. And he takes your scalpel and he does that. He's just defiled what's holy and God is not defiled. He is unlike. And so what he really is, is he is preeminent. He's above everything else because he's unlike anything else and he's better than everything else. And it's, uh, here's the reality. We must be aware of the constant temptation to replace our focus and our faith on God as preeminent with competing philosophies and ideologies that appear to impact our lives the most. They appear to. But God is the one who wants to have the impact. Make holy Put in the highest place. Let me ask you something. What has preeminence in your life? Is it a particular group? Is it a party? Is it a belief? God says, you can have those, but I want to be first. I want to have preeminence in your life. So he says, I want you to make me holy. Then he says, fear me. Now, we don't like this because we have beautifully emphasized the grace of God for many, many years that God loves you. He wants to receive you. He wants to live in your life. But the reality is the scripture also says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. He is a consuming fire. He is so powerful and profound. He says to Moses, I can't show you my face. You will die. It reminds me, if we let a lion out in this room, you would be terrified. It's like, you're like, no, I'd like to pet it. You know, watch the shows. Everyone who has a pet tiger gets bit eventually or eaten. (laughs) And the reality is our God is greater than, I used to work at a thoroughbred farm. I was a brood mare night watchman. It means I sat and watched pregnant thoroughbred mares all night. And when they started to foal, I would call the foreman and we would help pull the foal out. And they would have a stallion or two there, and they were in small stalls, enough for them to move around, and I had the responsibility of giving them water every night, and it was always at the other corner of the stall. And this one stallion was so enormous, strong, wound up, that just coming near his door, the stall, he would kick the sides and and twirl around. I was terrified, and my job was give him water, and was like, This is not enough enough money for me to die and they come back and find me stomped to death in this thing. So I don't know that I ever confessed this except in these talks and I brought the water and I didn't didn't feel the thing ever. I was too scared to go in. If you were at a rocket launch and you'd never been at one, you know what you'd do? You'd be terrified. You'd say, I hope something doesn't go wrong. If you were in the presence of God, you know what you would think? I hope something doesn't go wrong. Because he's so powerful. He's so profound. Here's what the fear of God is. Let this sink in. And this is so important for us to understand. The fear of God is to relate to God with reverent awe, appropriate terror, deepest love, adoration, and trusting obedience. It's a lot of words, isn't it? That's why you have to watch this again. Let me say it again. The fear of God is to relate to God with reverent awe, appropriate terror, deepest love, and adoration, and trusting obedience. You know what it reminds me of? A great dad. A great dad. A great dad is fun and playful, but when you disobey him, he goes, and there's a little trembling inside of you. And there should be. You should fear 
by honoring your father. Not be terrified that he's going to hurt you, but we should have that. And it's important. Let, let me say something. It's going to bump you. God is not your buddy. Never has been and never will be. He'll be your friend, but he won't be your buddy. When you have buddies, guess what? You're equal. This is God we're talking about. He says, in the face of fear, fear me. Think about me. Think about the holy creatures, the seraphs that surround him, that when Isaiah saw them and God, he fell down utterly terrified. And what does God do? He cleanses him and he calls him. He doesn't condemn him. God will not condemn you. I don't want a God who's not terrifying. How about you? Because he's less than God. Our God is the only God, and he is profound. I love what C.S. Lewis says in these days. Though there is much to be puzzled about, there's nothing to be worried about. You know why? Our God will win the day. Our God is in control. Our God knows the future. Our God helped you the last minute and will help you the next minute. Our God is the only God. Choose him above anything else you believe. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over and he wants to start with your life. And his takeover is a loving one, not a controlling one. He'll never make you do anything, but he'll invite you to follow him and you'll be changed. You'll be transformed. The next principle, those without God at the center live in grave danger. You may have the best philosophy. You may have the best political view. But if God is, live, is left out, the scriptures says they fall and they don't get up. Uh, why, why am I saying that? Because this is going to be hard for some. One day, this country won't exist. Everything's going to change over God's purposes. That's hard to hear, isn't it? Because we're gripping right now. But God wants us to understand he's the only one He's the only one. And therefore, if we put our hope in something that can change or be taken away, we will be without security our entire life. He says, trust me. Those who don't are in grave danger. We should know this. We should understand this. We should have compassion. Here's the last of the four points. God's word is the only source of a God-focused worldview. It is the playbook it is the owner's manual. It is the love letter. It is the wisdom source. And it is alive. See, Jesus is the word who's living. And he spoke these words, had them written down, inspired them. And they are alive. It's the only book where you say, why do you say that? And the book says in response, who do you think you are? This is God's book. It's living. And it will separate things in you and show you. Now, one of the challenges is we live in a day where truth is not embraced as objective at all. And that's really interesting. Even science is being call, called into, do you believe in science? I'm just teasing. That's uh, not so Libre. Okay. Uh, science is being called in. Have you ever seen that? You need to. Science is being called into question. And it's like, how can you call science into question? Empirical studies, it's so important. And, and, and yet, even, even in our day, it's being called into question. And, and, and so, if there's no objective truth, if we can't do an experiment and say this is true, then what's true? We tend to be selective. We say there's no empirical truth, so truth is what I perceive it as, except when it comes to gravity. <laughs> so get on the building and say, I don't believe in gravity, and step off. It, it, it's true all the time. Unless you're in outer space, it just, it is the truth. 
And so God wants us to know that the truth, the source of truth is his word. It's the source of life. If you haven't seen it yet, Netflix social dilemma is worth watching. And those who design Google, those who design Amazon, those who design Twitter, they're speaking because something has happened inside them. God's speaking to them. And one who stands out is Tristan, Tristan Harris, Tristan, Tristan Harris, former design ethicist of Google. He shares with grave concern. Listen to this about truth. He says this, if we don't agree on what is true or that there is such a thing as truth, we are toast. And then he says this, this is the problem beneath all other problems. If we can't agree on what's true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems. You know what the problem with not talking to one another is? We can't come to an agreement that maybe what I think is absolute truth is not quite, and I need your perspective to come to the truth When he says this, as a millennial, it gets my attention. Here's what the word of God says. This is God in Isaiah 66, right at the end of this book of Isaiah. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite of spirit and who tremble at my word. Tremble. Because it's so awesome. I tremble around my wife sometimes. She is so awesome. I don't tremble for fear, but I tremble because of awesomeness. I tremble. Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, Lord, I can't believe that you love us so much. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the light. Could it be, everybody, is it possible that we're stumbling spiritually in this super confusing world because we're not using the best source of light. And we're trying to create our own light. We're trying to make light come out of things that aren't fully light. They may be partially true. The devil has no problem with a partial truth. He just won't tell you the whole truth. And so when we open this book, you're saying, well, I don't understand it. Read it some more. Well, I still don't understand it. Read it some more. Because when you read it, here's what happens. The light comes on you. And then it becomes inside of you. And then you see things differently. So here are the steps. How do you become a people who are led by light? Four simple steps. If you do them, your life will change completely. You'll navigate this terrible time, which is passing, by the way. All the stuff happening, I want to tell you right now, it's temporary. How can I say that? Because that's what God's word says. These trials are light and momentary compared to what he has in store for us. Be encouraged no matter what, what you're facing. So here's step number one. Doubt any worldview that doesn't have God at the center. If God is left out, even if it sounds so great, I could go into all kinds of sociological presentations that sound so good, but God's left out. And if you leave God out, it will fall apart eventually. So God says, first and foremost, test all things, prove the things that are good. Number two, be brutally honest with yourself about God's place in your life. We'd all like to say he's at the center, but the reality is the one who is preeminent in most of our lives, most of the time, let me show you him. Me. That's why Jesus says, every day I want you to die to you 
your side so you can live for my side. And he's so kind. He's so patient, isn't he? I want him so much. So let's get brutally honest. What portion of the day do you live for you, for your stuff? And what portion of the day is he a part of it? Simple things can help change that. When I get in my car as I leave today, I do this every single night. Lord, now go with me and protect me. Just those little comments start to change the atmosphere. And he becomes preeminent. I can't tell you the accidents I've not had because of him. Because he knows I'm trusting him. Number three, commit to live on and from God's word. Whatever you believe, if you can't find it affirmed or confirmed in the word of God, doubt it and don't receive it into your life. Even if you're very committed to a movement, be the voice that says, that's how you are salt. Salt shows decay in philosophies and it brings life. It preserves the earth from falling apart and decaying. So if you can't find it affirmed, don't be mean, don't be judgmental, don't be disagreeable. Love people. So commit to live from the word. If you don't understand, get your download of the YouVersion Bible. And at the bottom, it says plans. It will show you a plan that are tailored. If you want a plan for, for single moms, if you want a plan for those who are in the marketplace, you'll have a plan. It'll show you how to read the word of God. If you don't know how to even start, read a psalm and a, a chapter of Proverbs every day. And then finally, I'll say this. Watch the Bible Project. They have videos on YouTube, The Bible Project. Watch Isaiah. You'll watch it. You'll be super impressed with me that I did such a good job as you see what the whole book of Isaiah is about. Here's the last thing. I challenge you. I dare you. Watch every weekly talk this man or anyone up here gives at least two times. How many of you have gone to a movie, you've seen it, and that for some reason you went again with a friend, whether you wanted to or not, or a family member, and you said over and over, I didn't see that. I didn't see. How many have done that? And you see it, don't you? It's the same with these talks. Here's what a lot of people do. Okay, I'm going to bump you. They hear Pastor David, he was great. And then in the afternoon, they listen to Stephen Furtick, and he's great too. And then they listen to Robert Morse, and he's great too. Then they listen to John Mark Comer, and he's great too. And then as they listen and listen and listen, they can't even remember what David said and what they actually become without knowing it is these bloated bags of truth that are walking around and we talk about, and he said this, and he said this, and it wasn't that a great truth. And my question to you is, which one of those truths are you applying this week? Now, I want to say this. The first truths you should be applying are coming from your pastor. Do you know why? When you get sick, he or someone else is going to come visit you. And Stephen Furtick is not going to... You try it. Call him up. Call him up. He's not going to come visit you. What am I really saying? Listen again to the one you're doing life with. If you disagree with him, tell him. Message him privately and walk through that. If you agree with him, affirm him. But I want to say this, I challenge you. If you listen to me three times, this is one, I am really good at three times. Unbelievable. So I challenge you. Guys, I dare you. The girls do that. I mean, they watch those things. I, I don't, that's not, I doubled. You know what? I dare you, dare you, double, double dare you. Every week to make it a point, I am or we as a couple or a family, we're going to watch it again. And we're going to discover what God wants to say that we didn't get the first time. You don't, because I'm a fast talker. And so you'll be astounded. Here's my last challenge to you. You may not be comfortable with this, because 
we kind of like to be really private, but I want to say this. I love God's word. I want it to be the center focus. I'm getting traction in life. I want to give that to you. I want to pray that for you. It's called an impartation. It's, it's not just praying for you. It's like, what I have, I want to give to you. And that's this longing to live this way. If, if you long for that at home while you're watching right now, in your jammies or wherever you are, and here right now, I'm going to challenge you to do something that is public. Now, some won't stand because you're already doing this. So and others won't stand because you're thinking about it. And that's okay. But those who say, pray for me, Pastor Les. I want to be a person who lives by the light. And I want to see things change in me. Because I really didn't know that God was not on my side. He's first, he's taking over. So I want to learn more about that stuff. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, I'm not going to have you come for it. I'm just going to have you stand up as a statement that publicly you said, I want this more than anything else. So anyone in the room, would you do that quickly? Because we're out of time. You said, I want to be a person led by the light more than anything else. Pastor Les, somehow release that in me. Father, I ask in the might of Jesus' name, those standing or not standing, if you put your hands up, that you would release in them some impartation supernaturally where they are magnetically drawn to feeding on your word, knowing your word, and that they would discover new insight about you and be given revelation about the issues of the day. Lord, would you do this in your radiant people in the might of Jesus' name? And then God, as they do that, would you fill them with overwhelming peace. In Jesus' mighty name, receive this longing. Amen. Would you applaud the Lord, everybody, and remain standing? Hallelujah. Hey, let's give it up for Pastor Les. We love you. So good. So good. Man, I want that in my life. And you know what? You're right. I got so much more out of the second service. It's just true. I'm going to go listen a third time, fourth time, fifth time. Come on, one more hand for Brother Les. Come on, I love him. Love you, love you, love you. He drove down from Omaha yesterday. He's driving back today. We love you. Uh, hey, let's just take a moment. And uh, we've got uh, just a few moments. We want to sing one more song. We want to give. I'm also going to give you an opportunity. If you want to say yes to Jesus today in this next prayer, I want to invite you to do that. But let's just respond together, all right? Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we thank you for this word. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be led by the light, that the word of God would light up the way. We ask that no ideas or philosophies apart from God would be our light. You are our light. And so we commit, God, we want the word of God in us more than Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. What else did you say? Instagram, Facebook, more than all other. We want the word of God more than anything else. I'm just saying faith. God, we want the word of God in us more than any other method, medium. God, we want the word of God alive, like fire, like breaking news in our hearts every day. I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would love Isaiah like less loves Isaiah. I pray that we would love the word of God, even like we're experiencing. Holy Spirit, come. If you today, if you just say, hey, I, 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 want, I want my life. I want my life with the word of God inside me. Just hold up your hands. Just, I want greater revelation. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this would be true to us. We just apply it today, these last couple minutes. Lord God, give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger that the ideas of God over the ideas of man Greater revelation in Jesus' name. Let's sing the song.